Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. This week, we're going to get back to the office ergonomics and some happy money tips on Special Edition. We're also going to meet a local author to tell us about Lackawanna County's Fallen 56, people who did not come back from the Vietnam War. We're also going to hear about campfire and coffee for all veterans and first responders. Travel safely this 4th of July. Christina Sullivan, coordinator of the Lackawanna County Highway Safety Program and Mike Toludo with PennDOT District 4 have some tips. It's hard to believe the 4th of July is upon us. And this year it's going to be huge because for some people they have Friday and Monday off. Some people have Monday off. So it's going to be a long weekend and we want everybody to be safe in whatever form of transportation they use. If they're out on their boat driving, um, do not drink and drive. Make sure you're ready for all the rules of the water. And if you're driving your car, make sure you not drink and drive. Take your time. Do not text and drive. Make sure you're buckled up and make sure you have your child in the proper safety passenger seat. Also, if you're uh, riding your bike, make sure you wear a helmet. And if you're walking, make sure you follow the pedestrian rules of the road. All right. Well, one of the things that we always hear is, and Mike just said it, don't drink and drive. So, Christina Sullivan, coordinator of the Lackawanna County Highway Safety Program is here. And you are going to tell us about... Zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Impaired driving includes any behavior under the influence of alcohol, prescription drugs, or illegal drugs. Impaired driving-related fatalities spike through especially the 4th of July holiday, and it is one of the holidays with the highest number of impaired driving-related crashes each year. This campaign, Paula, seeks to raise awareness on the dangers of alcohol and drug-related impaired driving, and simply that it's never okay to drink and drive. You put yourself and everyone else in danger. And law enforcement will be out there and show zero tolerance for impaired driving. No exceptions. If you plan to drink, don't drive. Have a plan. If you have a friend that is planning on drinking, take the keys away. Make arrangements to get them home safely. It's like driving a car. Mm -hmm. Voters can be charged with DUI or voting under the influence. So remember, drive sober or get pulled over. If you feel drift different, you drive different, and buckle up every trip, every time. And Mike, you mentioned the fact, as just Christine did as well, about the boating. And sometimes people don't think about that or riding a bike or any of those other things when it comes to safety. 
So what would be some of the good common sense things that people who are going to be, as you said, any type of transportation that they should be remembering? I would just just think they would remember to just follow all the rules. Just take your time and you'll be safe. And like I said, do not, like like Christine said, do not drink and drive. Uh, If you're walking, make sure you cross at a crosswalk. If you're riding your bike, make sure you wear that helmet. The helmet is, is a safety tool, too. The helmet for your children under 12, even adults should wear a helmet if you're riding your bike. And a lot more people are going to be out this year because uh, it, they, last year they weren't able to go out. So this year it's going to be, I think, there'll be a lot of people in everywhere. Speaking of traveling, of course, um, when we had the Memorial Day holiday, it was the first time that you folks were able to open up the um, rest areas and to bring in the volunteers who would like to have the safety breaks. Will that be happening again? Well, they're going to probably be still limited to safety breaks, but you, if you're driving, uh, we have rest areas throughout the state and we have welcome centers. You can always stop and take a break. Drowsy driving is also an issue. So if you're getting tired, you want to just take a break. And, and some of the rest areas will have local groups out there uh, supplying coffee for them at, uh, at the rest areas. Okay, Christina, one of the things that you mentioned when you were talking about impaired driving, kind of a gray area as well, but always worth talking about, the fact that there are a lot of legal prescription drugs that people might be taking and don't realize that that can also impair your driving. Absolutely. Again, uh, impaired driving includes any alcohol prescription drugs and of course, illegal drugs. And as it goes, and as the saying goes, if you feel different, you drive different. And you can get a DUI for being impaired under a prescription drug. So what would you suggest someone do? You know, we all get prescribed medications and sometimes we don't ask questions. Is that something that might be a good idea that we start doing? Absolutely. Be familiar with how your medication affects your being when you get behind the wheel, because it's so important. And again, you put yourself and you put others at risk any type of impaired driving when you get behind the wheel. I think people are under the um, misconception that impaired driving just includes alcohol-related driving. But again, it is that prescription and non-prescription use of medications that can affect you. Um, There were 13 fatalities through the period of June 26th through July 5th of last year um, that were impaired driving related. One fatality is one too many. 13 through that holiday period is a very high amount of, of people to lose. Absolutely. And Mike, of course, you mentioned the fact that people are going to maybe have a long weekend. What's going to happen as far as road work is concerned? Well, that was a good question because starting Friday at noon through Monday night, there will be no construction on the uh, local roads. I mean, there's still going to be some permanent uh, work zones, which you have to follow the rules and be safe through the permanent work zones. But construction will be limited uh, during the holiday weekend so that drivers could be able to uh, make it their destination in a, in a quality of time. As you're driving, you said that there are some work zones that are always going to be set up. But if there are no workers in the work zone at the time. Does that change it a little bit? As no, far? no, it, no, that, that still has to, uh, follow, you still have to follow the rules, just speed limit when you're going through a work zone, even if there's 
snow workers there. Okay. Well, that clears up a lot of questions. Absolutely. Christina, anything else that you would like to add as far as, uh, or maybe you could reiterate for our listeners, the zero tolerance that's going to be around on the roadways this 4th of July? Yeah, law enforcement are going to be out in full force. Um, Zero tolerance for any type of alcohol and drug-related impaired driving. Um, You put everyone in danger, again, including yourself. It is unacceptable, illegal, and deadly, and there's no reason for someone to get behind the wheel impaired. I think that pretty much sums it up. And Mike, I'm going to have you do the same thing as well. If you can just sum up uh, what you would like our listeners to remember for the 4th of July holiday, if they are traveling. They're traveling. I think they need to just take their time, enjoy the holiday and be safe and follow all the rules of the road. Like again, like Chris said, do not drink and drive. Make sure you buckle up every time. Make sure you do not text and drive or be distracted. And also, again, if you have children in your car, make sure they're in the proper child passenger safety seat. So that's to basically just follow the rules of the road and have a great, happy 4th of July weekend. It's always a pleasure to catch up with Christina and Mike, and they'll be joining us more this summer with other safety tips. When we come back, we're going to talk about Campfire and Coffee and Lackawanna County's Fallen 56 on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Odyssey's Nikki Stone introduces us to a local veteran who tells us about campfire and coffee. Eric Pammy's from Harvey's Lake. You served in the Army, correct, Eric? Yes, ma'am, eight years. Eight years in the Army, and then you came home uh, injured? Uh, I, I, not, no physical injuries, but just like so many of my other brothers and sisters, I, I did come home with some unseen wounds, as in uh, PTSD and, and some all those wonderful things that come with a traumatic experience. Of now, war. And where did you, um, where were you serving? What, what did you do? Uh, I was an Apache crew chief with the 101st Airborne. Uh, I deployed in 2003 for the initial push. Uh, I was there from February 2003 to February 2004, and then again from February, December 2004 to December 2005. Um, and so you, how long did it take you after you came home to decide that you wanted to put together a group to help other people who went, and, and how did that come about? Um, I, I I don't think it took any time to realize that I wanted to help people. Um, veterans and first responders alike, one thing that we all have in common is we, we don't go and do what we do. We, we don't fight for a cause. We, we fight for the person standing next to us, um, the person in the foxhole next to you, the person in the squad car sitting next to you, your partner. Um, that's the person that you're always looking out for, the person that you always want to help. So coming home, um, it, it didn't take long to realize that I wanted to help my brothers and sisters. Okay, and now there was some stuff that you de- dealt with yourself with the PTSD that you weren't sure how to approach it or, uh, and that's what opened right. you up for other ideas. So what were some right. of the, can you explain some of that to us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I struggled mightily when I first came home. Um, I had uh, tried just about everything that was out there. Um, I had went to the VA. I had taken the medication that they had offered. I'd been mm. through psychiatrists and psychologists. I'd been through uh, talk therapy, EMDR. You, you name the therapy or the program, I had tried it. Now, I am not in any way talking down on those things. They just didn't work for me. And I have many friends that it didn't work for either. So you know, one problem with actually, medication and other things is they're all cookie cutter. 
Um, and they're, they're, they're quick fixes. Right. And Band-Aids. Right. What we promise is not a quick fix. What we promise with One Mission Salute is hard work. Um, it got to a point in my life where I, I was suicidal and my wife looked at me one day and said, I'm not going to sit here and watch you kill yourself and I won't let your son be here to see it either. Ooh. Okay, okay now it, I'm going to cry. It was, it was hard. It was really hard. And that night I got on Google and I typed the words, I don't want to die. It was one of the hardest things that I ever did. Oh, I bet it was. And that night I found something called post-traumatic growth. And it was different. It wasn't a quick fix. It wasn't take this pill. It wasn't watch this program. What post-traumatic growth has taught me is that I'm not broken. Like a lot of the doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists I went to had told me that I had to learn to live a diminished life. You know, and these pills will help you deal with it. And I no longer believe that. I know that I am not broken, just like so many of my other brothers and sisters, that not only can I live an okay life, but I can live an extraordinary life, not be not in spite of the traumas that I've experienced, but because of them. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, it's amazing that they basically say, you can't, you won't. And you're the one who has to say, oh, but I will. And I can. Especially after you've served our country like you did. I don't understand this holding people back and holding them down mentality that comes out of um, our medical and mental health world. Well, it, it's mental health. And like I said, yeah, I, I don't want to make it seem like the VA is not doing what, what they're supposed to do or that doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists aren't doing. Some of the things that they do work wonders for some people. And mm-hmm. this is just another approach. Just like so there's no cookie cutter answer to mental right. health. This is another tool that we have to help our veterans and first responders deal with the, with the experiences that they've had. I love how you say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right, but it's the, the problem with that is that nobody has ever taught us um, how to apply the things that didn't kill us in combat or in the line of duty and to apply that to a civilian life. Like I said, where not only will get us back to a, an okay life, but to propel us so much further. We do have Eric Pym on the phone. He is with the organization One Mission Salute. Eric lives in Harvey's Lake. He served in the Army. Uh, he served in Iraq and Iran. No, just, just Iraq. Just two tours Iraq. in Iraq. Oh, two tours in Iraq. I'm sorry. I try to follow, no. and then I make up th- things in my own head that I want to believe. <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> At any rate... Um, so you've come home now and there's this, you saw a need in the area for other people who have dealt with PTSD, uh, you living by the line, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but how in the world do you become stronger? Well, what we do is we, we focus on three major components. We focus on regulation, education, and service. And a fourth component of that would be our community. Um, community is very important. Um, there's a lot of really great organizations out there that take veterans and first responders on extended vacations to uh, 
to to help them relax, help them de-stress. And there are, some of these places are absolutely gorgeous. They, they're better than any five-star resort I've come across. Mm-hmm. But you come home and you return to the stresses of everyday life, which when you're not in a good mental state can be too much to handle sometimes. So one of the things we focus on, like I said, is our community. We want to build a community. We are building a community of veterans and first responders that can lean into each other. Whether you're struggling or whether you're well, we want veterans and first responders to come and join us um, because there's going to be a time when you're not well. We have, we're, we're, like we just talked about the community. We, we have a large community of support. Um, my very best friend since the age of six, uh, his name is Rick. He has, he was also deployed with the 82nd Airborne and experienced a lot of the similar, uh, similar traumas and experiences when he returned. And, and we have worked very hard together with our parent nonprofit, Your Dash 365, to, to put this program together. So where did you find this other nonprofit, your parent nonprofit? Where do they come from? Um, yeah, it's the our parent nonprofit called Your Dash 365. Uh, Marion and Al DeAngelis uh, reached out to me. Uh, when I first um, returned from my journey learning about post-traumatic growth, I was very vocal on social media about my experiences and um, I, I, we believe that disclosure is, is a big part of healing, not rehashing, but just being open about your experiences. And I always find it better through. when people talk about things, no matter what it is in their life. The more you talk about it, the more you can own it and get over it. And I, I don't mean that that simplifies it because getting over is it can be taken out of context, context. Right. But you understand where I'm coming from. Absolutely, but and also talking about it does not mean rehashing it. We don't need to sit here and, and talk about the event that happened. Um, what we do is we recognize that the past is, is part of us, but it's for reference, not for mm. residents. Exactly. That's a great way to put that. So what are you doing to attract uh, people like yourself to become part of your group in order to reach out? Because I think, you know, lately we've heard about a lot of suicides. Too many suicides. Yes. Unfortunately, one is too many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One is way too many. And unfortunately, a lot of them are people who have served in our armed services. Um, Right. What do you, and, and some people are hesitant to reach out to a group like yours, but what do you do? What do you say? Right, well, the, the, the best way that we're reaching out right now is uh, this Saturday night and the last Saturday of every month, we have what we're calling Campfire and Coffee. And that's exactly what it is. Um, six o'clock at the Luzerne County Fairgrounds, we have a campfire and invite all veterans and first responders. And first responders includes police, mil- uh, fire, EMS, dispatchers, uh, frontline medical workers, corrections officers, anybody who serves in a public service role. Um, we invite them to come out and enjoy a cup of coffee and build that community, have just a, a talk with people that have had similar life experiences. Um, one of the biggest things people talk about after leaving the military is that lack of uh, family, the feeling that they, they've lost part of their family because there's such a tight-knit group in the military and first responders alike. So we're trying to recreate that in some way uh, by having these campfire and coffees, just letting people come out, enjoy the company. And we talk a little bit about our upcoming events the, uh, and uh, some of the regulation practices that we teach. We, we, we touch on those. 
Um, and you have another event coming up other than the campfire and coffee. That on July 11th? Yep, July 11th, we have a, uh, a large uh, community event at the Luzerne County Fairgrounds. It's a 100% free open concert. Uh, the Lance Thomas Band will be there playing for us. Nice. Uh, we're going to have some food trucks. We're going to have uh, some basket raffles. It's going to be our way of introducing ourselves to the community and welcoming them, welcoming them into our group. This labyrinth, did he come to you? Did you discuss it with him? Was he, is he related to somebody? How did this happen? No, he's not related to anybody. Um, oh, wow. The labyrinth was a large part of my initial experience uh, into post-traumatic growth. It had a very, very uh, big impact on my journey, and as well as Rick and some of the other uh, military members and first responders of our group. And we knew that we needed to bring something like that here to, to our organization, to Northeastern Pennsylvania, to share with our community. And uh, when he heard about it, when Reese heard about it, he, uh, he uh, through the Luzerne County Fair Board, was put in touch with us, and we worked together to get it complete in uh, an amazing amount of time. Uh, a very, very beautiful labyrinth that we cannot wait to share with the community, and we'll be doing the ribbon cutting at that event on July 11th. Wow, very nice, very nice. I would, I, I, I kind of, it, it, that just so intrigues me about how it clears your mind and, and can help you uh, heal. Uh, I would have never thought of something like that, but it, it makes sense. It's a centuries-old practice, and things well, don't last that long for no reason. This, this is true. This is true. Eric, please keep in touch about things that are going on with your group, One Mission Salute. Uh, I would love to talk about it a little bit more often. Can you tell people how they can find you and reach out to you? Absolutely. They can reach us through our website, uh, onemissionsalute.com. It is spelled, it's uh, 1-M-I-2-2-I-O-N. Uh, representative of the 22 veterans that take their own lives every day. Um, they can also reach out to us through our, our Facebook, um, or um, they can come out and join us at the Luzerne County Fairgrounds this weekend. Uh, if they're a veteran or first responder, we'd love to, to get to know them. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you and all that you do, Eric. Thank you. Thank you thank for you your so much, Nikki. Thank you for your service and and thank you for still serving today. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. And again, you can find Eric on Facebook. One Mission Salute. O N E M I two two I O N Salute. Next, those who never returned from the Vietnam War from Lackawanna County are remembered, and Odyssey's Bob Cadaro has details. We have. Um a, a, just a beautiful compilation and book called Lackawanna County's Fallen 56. The stories of the 56 military personnel killed or missing during the Vietnam War from Lackawanna County. And we are pleased to have Jason Amico with us today. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Bob. Tell us, th this had to be a labor of, of love. It was a lot of work, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was uh, digging out a lot of obituaries, visiting a lot of cemeteries, and talking to some family members that were willing to talk. And and sometimes you got friends, like Bill Mecca, uh, my old uh, chemistry teacher, told you a little bit about uh, Anthony Batista today, right? Right, right. Now... Tell tell everybody listening, what is the book basically about? What, what was your concept behind it? What were you trying to achieve? It was just a local history. I knew it wasn't going to receive national attention. Um, 
I first the first part was getting a list of the 56 names, and you know I originally started at 58, then it dropped down to 55 because one gentleman was living up in Wayne County and had a mailing address in Lackawanna County or vice versa. So uh, when I finally cleared all the names in places of residence, it came up to a total of 56. <laughs> and, uh, that's just, and that's just the Vietnam War. That's, that's just, just the Vietnam, Vietnam War. Right. I mean, just one conflict, uh, 56 uh, from first, one county. <laughs> the first individual I found, and he, he was pretty much the one that got me interested in the topic, was a gentleman that's buried in Dunmore Cemetery, John Henry Thomas. And I noticed the headstone said, killed in action. So I took a photograph of it, went to the Scranton Public Library, dug up his obituary. He was a Scranton Tech graduate, outstanding athlete, um, African-American gentleman. He had been over there a few months, and he had his, his wife or his girlfriend had just given birth to his, ba- to his <laughs> baby daughter. Gosh, when he was killed in action. <sighs> and I said, if I could find this gentleman, I'm sure I could find others that served from Lackawanna County that never made it back. And there's two who are actually still MIA to this day. Unbelievable. I, I, and, uh, you know, I, I'm reading your book, Lackawanna County's Fallen 56. Again, we're talking with Jason Amico, the author of that uh, book. Every story is fascinating. It's it's heart wrenching. It mm-hmm. gives you such uh, respect, not just for the military, not just for the individual you happen to be reading about in in that vignette, but it, it just you just say, "Wow, what uh, normal people? Some very talented, some regular. You know, maybe had not much going, and yet." You know they 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 achieved greatness in this way, but we lost them, and it's you just say that it ended right there in Vietnam, and for all of these uh, men and women. There was one that I, I sort of enjoyed his story. Um, Tommy Malloy from Dunmore. Uh, I, I had the privilege of talking to his brother. Um, he was just a tall, lanky redhead. He had no interest in school. They wanted him to go out and play for the basketball team at Dunmore High School, but he had no interest. Hmm. All he wanted to do was r- drive around in his car, hang out with his friends, and chase girls. He tried his a brief stint at Lackawanna College. It didn't work for him, so he was starting to run into dead ends as to what he was going to do for his career. So he, I, I, I'm drawing a blank as to whether he enlisted or he volunteered. I'm believing he volunteered. And, he, yeah, he went over to Vietnam and he was, I believe, tr- uh, the circumstances of his death, I want to say, was trying to remove a wounded soldier from the field when he was himself struck and killed. I believe that's the case, because um, I read his story, yeah. Yeah, and there was a funny story that his brother told me that, uh, I, as I mentioned, he was a jokester. When the yearbook was being put together, he posed in the... Uh, the band photograph, and he wasn't in the band. He just wanted to get himself in the picture. There's another story that there's, I know, I'm sure you're familiar with some of the rocks in the parking lot between the high school and the elementary center. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he painted one of these for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and when the female principal at the time, I'm sure you remember her name, I don't, she found out that it was Tommy. She made him come down even on weekends and clean it until it was, you know, removed. <laughs> Mrs. DeFazio, how can I free, how can I even hesitate for a moment? The beloved Mrs. DeFazio, yeah. yes. Principal DeFazio. Well, um, Jason, I, I am so proud of you for doing this book. Is there a way to get this book? The book is self-published, so meaning you can't find it any local stores or on Amazon.com. So the only way you really can get a copy is through myself. The email is G-A-G-E, as in Gage, named after a Civil War soldier that I admire. G-A-G-E, Gage, 1862, at gmail.com. Gage1862 at gmail.com to uh, inquire about a copy of Lackawanna County's Fallen 56. It's a work of love, but it is just, it's extraordinary, Jason. It really, truly is. Thank you. I want to thank you for doing it. As far as the obituaries go, um, that was a task in and of itself. For instance, I'm just throwing throwing a random date out there. If an individual was killed February 13th, 1965, I'd have to go get the microfilm and almost like, usually the, the obituary wouldn't come for like six or seven days after the event. That's how long it sure. used to come back to town. Confirmation, the bureaucracy, when is the funeral going to be, all those things. It, it was, this was, not, this was not a cut and paste mission uh, that, that you did. And uh, again, I, I thank you for that. I, I know, I'm sure you're familiar with how they've been giving a lot of attention to Jimmy Reddington. Not saying he doesn't deserve it. But my book shows that there's 55 other men and women that deserve it as well. Jason, thank you so much. Jason Amico, Lackawanna County's Fallen 56 is the book. That email for information, G-A-G-E 1862 at gmail.com. Don't go away. Posture and money next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Next up, some people are heading back to the office for the first time, in some cases, over a year. And that might have a big impact on your posture because ergonomics plays a part. And we're going to find out all about that from Dawn Webster. She is a physician's health assistant at MedExpress. And Dawn gives us the explanation. So ergonomics is essentially making sure your body is at its correct, natural posture and that your surroundings are supportive of that correct and natural posture. Probably for a lot of people, when it changes, it has major changes. What do we look for? So essentially, maintaining a natural posture means aligning your body when you're standing, when you're sitting, essentially any way you're moving. So it's multifactorial. So if most people sit when they're working, so you want to kind of keep in mind a few things. So the first is that your head is level with your screen that you're looking at. You want your back to be supported. You want your shoulders relaxed. Um, Hands, wrists, and forearms essentially have to be parallel to the floor. Elbows close to your body. Thighs and hips also parallel to the floor. and, and, And ideally, both feet on the ground. So um, one of the first ways you can do this and get the ideal posture is to adjust your keyboard and mouse. 
And the problem is when you're switching workstations, going from home to back to the office or vice versa, you know, you may just be setting your keyboard down, setting your mouse down and just getting to work. But you really do have to kind of take a look at where everything is sitting and see if you're comfortable. So you want your mouse next to your keyboard, depending if you're right or left-handed, which side. And you want to make sure you're using a mouse that fits in the palm of your hand. If the mouse is too big, it's going to unnaturally stretch your fingers out. If your mouse is too small, it's going to kind of curl your hand up. So you want to make sure you're picking a mouse that's appropriate for your hand size. And um, the same with the keyboard. So you want your keyboard to be far enough in front of you so that your wrists are, are at a neutral position, essentially flat. We don't want your wrists kind of buckled in or um, popping out. We want a flat, comfortable wrist position. And then the next thing you do is essentially you look at, right in front of you at your screen. So as a rule of thumb, you want the top of your monitor at your eye level. So you want, um, you know, to be able to just kind of have your head straight up. You don't want to be looking up or looking down. And you want it to be about 20 inches away from your face. So you don't want it too close. You don't want it too far away. That'll help with eye strain. And ultimately, for your screen, we're looking for a relaxed neck and shoulders. Um, we want you to be able to read it comfortably without adjusting your posture, having to move your head. That brings up another point, which is lighting. So lighting is a big deal, too, because, again, at home, you probably have very different lighting than you do in the office. So you want to kind of take that into account also. If you feel like you're constantly squinting because of the glare or you're, you're kind of straining because you can't see that well, it's too dark, pay attention to those things and make adjustments. Now, how do we know that something is not adjusted correctly until we start actually having symptoms? Is there a way to tell beforehand? Yes. In terms of how you can tell it, you know, there's lots of tips. If you, there's lots of videos that tell you essentially how to kind of start, what setup to start with, and then you can tweak it from there. The next thing that we really should talk about in terms of setting it up is your chair. So chairs are super important. You want to make sure that they support your lower back, especially um, because that's really the biggest issue people have, low back pain at work. And then just like you said, carpal tunnel also. So those are the two things that proper ergonomics can help prevent. So you're right that, you know, you don't want to have those issues come up. You would rather prevent them. And really the best way to do it would be to take these considerations and, and adjust your workspace. And then, like you said, if you do have to start to have symptoms, you, you are going to have to make adjustments, even if that means buying a new keyboard or buying a new chair. What about the idea of wearing a wrist brace? Sure. So it's, it's not a bad thing at all. So what those wrist splints or braces do essentially is they keep your wrist in that neutral position, that position that I talked about. They kind of keeps your wrist and hand in alignment straight out. So it prevents your wrist from buckling. And the buckling of your wrist, you know, the inner out, that's what causes the carpal tunnel. That, that puts stress and, and pressure on those nerves in there, which essentially is what carpal tunnel is. So by wearing those braces, you're going to prevent it. And people that are prone to it, a lot of times, that's the first thing that their doctor recommends if they start having carpal tunnel syndrome is wearing those braces. To, it's must, it'll become muscle memory. You know, if you can't bend your wrist in or out while you're typing and you wear that for a week, you may be able to take it off in a week and, you know, just type and not move your wrist because at that point it becomes muscle memory. But it's not a bad thing at all. So that's definitely a good idea. If you're starting to have any wrist issues at all, 
or you just want to prevent them in general. One of the other things that you mentioned was the chair. However, there are some that use a big rubber ball. What is, yes. is there an advantage to that? That's a balance ball. It's a big balance ball. And essentially what that does is it makes you keep your core tight. And your core is your stomach, your back. Um, essentially the most important muscles of the you know, your, your posture and your support. And so by sitting on that balance ball, you have to keep your core engaged and engaged means tight or flex. And that's going to keep your back straight. That's going to keep your stomach, you know, muscles in and tight and and makes you sit up straight. So that's a great thing, but it's, it's not always practical. Um, And I, I certainly wouldn't recommend just throwing your chair away and getting one because it would be good to use, you know, a couple times a day or even, in the afternoon after lunch for a couple hours just to kind of tighten everything up or for a change. Or the other thing people do is they set up a workstation that they can stand at. Standing is also a very good idea because really the worst thing to do is just to sit still all day. Even if you have the best posture, the best ergonomics, it's still not good for you. So incorporating something to change in terms of standing, using a balance ball, um, even taking a little walk in a day, any of those are going to help. And along those lines, how often should you take a break? So according to my Apple Watch, every hour you should stand and walk around for about 10 minutes. And if you don't do it, it'll remind you. So about 10 minutes an hour would be ideal. Okay. What about stress? So unfortunately, stress does play a huge role. And when you're stressed, your your shoulder blades, your neck, your, your upper back, those all get real tense and it can throw off your whole posture, which eventually can lead to things like carpal tunnel and low back pain. When you're talking about being sedentary as in sitting and not getting up and moving around, are blood clots a concern? Not really, to be honest, um, unless you are a high risk individual. So if you've had them before or you have a blood clotting disorder, that's when you want to worry about blood clots. But typically, you know, just walking even into work, out of work, to the bathroom, to lunch, you know, that would be enough to prevent something like that from happening. You know, along those lines, it is a really good idea to to look at other things um, in terms of workplace chairs, um, like the balance ball, or even the desks that you can stand at just to give your body a break and a posture break and to kind of, you know, stretch out or change your posture for a little bit. When people are working at other locations rather than just a desk, maybe they're working on a conveyor belt or they're doing other things, should you consider a stretching exercises? Absolutely. That's a great idea. Anytime you're going to be in one position for a long time, it's a great idea to do some stretches, um, to play a quick little you know, yoga or Pilates video. Those will take you through a lot of stretches to kind of get all the areas that we, we focus on, um, like low back, upper back, um, hips, it, it kind of gets all those moving and gets all those uh, warmed up to kind of prevent any anything from settling in in terms of stiffness. All right. Dawn, what do you want to leave our listeners with today as far as ergonomics is concerned? So I think it's kind of most important to remember, like you said, you want to be preventative. So if nothing hurts, that's a great thing, but you, you essentially want to look at your workspace and how you're sitting before something does start to hurt or give you problems. So preventative is best. 
No aches or pains. Thanks, Dawn. That would certainly make a lot of people, including me, very happy. Something else that might make a lot of us very happy would be money. Or would it? Dr. Elizabeth Dunn is the chief science officer for Happy Money. She's the co-author of Happy Money, the new science of happier spending. And if you're a Star Trek fan, no matter what one you like best, they all took place between the mid-22nd to the late 32nd century. They didn't deal with any money. Were they happier during all that time? We're going to get some tips on how to be happy when it comes to money from Dr. Dunn. I want to know about happy money because I'm not a fan of money, probably because I never have enough. So does money really bring happiness? Well, this is an age-old question, of course, and let me go ahead and answer it for you right now. So money definitely can buy happiness. So people with more money do tend to be happier than those with less. Um, But the relationship is a little bit more nuanced than many people assume. And in particular, what matters more than how much money you make is really what you do with it. So at Happy Money, we really encourage people to see money as a tool that they can use to potentially enhance their own happiness and help their mental health. And that's the reason that we're talking with you today, because after the, well, it's been a year now since the pandemic began, and so many people have been dealing with money issues. When you mention the fact about what you do with your money, it always seems like so many of us spend our time paying our bills. Not that we're doing anything extravagant, but we're just paying for the basic necessities. So how can we be happy if we can't use our money for something we really want? It's certainly been a very difficult year. Um, and there's really two pieces of advice that I would give people as we're sort of coming out of this pandemic. So my first piece of advice would be to try to eliminate high interest credit card debt. So Happy Money has found that people with no credit card debt experience nearly 40% less financial stress than those with revolving debt. And in fact, we developed the payoff loan to help people escape this revolving door of debt, which we know is just so destructive for mental health. My other big piece of advice is to go ahead and start tracking what it is you're spending and how it makes you feel. So you can actually decide what's worth it to you and what's not. And really try to pay attention to how those purchases affect your mood in order to start to identify your happy and sad spends. So I would argue that by understanding how your money choices are impacting your mental and emotional well-being, you can at least begin to shift your spending toward what makes you truly happy. And, And that might be paying down debt savoring a small treat for yourself once in a while, you know, investing in a positive experience or maybe helping another person. And a bonus here is that this kind of mindfulness approach will help you get even more joy from those happy spends, even if it's just a matter of spending a few dollars on a little treat for yourself. There's a lot of different ways to think about that because, of course, something that's going to make me happy would be to go on a vacation. But again, that's going to raise my credit card debt. Ah, now what? Many of us are in desperate need of a vacation right now. And my advice is to 
plan ahead for a future vacation. Start saving up now. And research shows that actively anticipating a vacation can actually deliver doses of pleasure long before that vacation actually happens. So if you don't have the money to pay for that vacation now, don't go on it right now. Instead, start saving for it. And this will actually give you kind of an initial boost in happiness right away. And that's because when we purchase an experience, we, we actually start to consume it now. Um, once you start to pay for that trip or even just tuck some money away in savings to start to pay for it. So in a very real sense, it becomes yours. And this is critical from for what you're saying, because paying upfront for an experience that you want to enjoy down the road can reduce that problem of debt, which is so important. And so this can actually increase the happiness that you get from the experience, both in the long run, um, as well as right away. So I would say, you know, savor that research and planning process, even before you spend a single dollar, you know, just, you'll begin to reap some of those rewards of having a vacation by just beginning to explore it and have that fun of like researching and imagining and maybe tucking a few dollars away to start to make that trip a reality. Well, it's just like the anticipation is sometimes more than when it gets there. When you're thinking about, well, this is going to cost me a lot. And is that what you meant before? Yeah. So I would say, you know, when you've got something wonderful and exciting happening, like a wedding, you know, I think often we want to hurry up and have that wonderful experience, for example, uh, get married sooner rather than later. But sometimes that often means we're sort of footing the bill after the experience happens. And, And that's not a great way to do it. I always say do the opposite. So pay now and consume later. So save up that money now. And then if you can delay the actual experience, you'll get to enjoy all of the sort of time looking forward to having that wonderful experience. And you won't be saddled with that big credit card bill later. So we know that credit card debt can really take a toll on people's mental health. And what we see actually in our research is that people who delay gratification end up showing less debt and more financial self-efficacy compared to people who sort of go for it right away, spend the money now, end up with big credit card bill down the road. What does it mean pay yourself first? of paying yourself first is really being about investing in your future self. So that can look like putting some extra cash right at the beginning of the month or right after you get paid into savings and long-term investments instead of just sort of satisfying those immediate wants or needs. And, you know, when our science team conducted a study on delaying gratification, we found that future-focused people, people who are prioritizing the well-being of their future self, end up having uh, less financial stress compared to people who are going for more of an instant gratification kind of approach. So essentially, delaying gratification and investing in your future self by saving instead of you know spending right in the moment is, seems to be a pretty key factor in deriving more happiness from your finances. And the other thing that I've always heard is put your credit card in the freezer in some water and take it out. And then by the time it thaws by itself, you might decide you don't want to use it. Yeah, I mean, I love that idea. I don't know too many people who have actually put their credit cards in the freezer, though. So at Happy Money, we're trying to give people a little bit more of a 21st century solution to that credit card in the freezer, harnessing tech and AI to help people uh, restrain their spending without actually having to, you know, put their credit card into a block of ice. Sometimes it might be better than putting it out in the middle of the backyard and forget where you buried it. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Dunn, is there anything you'd like to leave with our listeners? 
I think many of us are feeling very grateful to be starting to imagine a future uh, post-pandemic kind of future. And so if you've done okay during the pandemic, I'd really encourage people to think about giving back. And what we've seen in over a decade of research now that my colleagues and I have conducted is that you're actually more likely to derive happiness from spending money on someone else rather than yourself. And at this time in particular, I think finding even a few dollars that you can give away is actually quite essential, you know, not only because it feels like something you should do, but it can actually benefit your emotional well-being too. Thanks again to Dr. Elizabeth Dunn for joining us as well as before that physician's assistant Don Webster with MedExpress. And I'd like to once again give you some information on two of our earlier guests that we had on special edition today. One of those is Eric Pym. You can reach him about Campfire and Coffee at the Facebook page One Mission Salute. And again, that's O-N-E-M-I-2-2-I-O-N Salute. And if you would like more information on Lackawanna County's Fallen 56, you can send an email to Jason Amico at G-A-G-E-1862 at gmail.com. That's gauge1862 at gmail.com. And as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me here each week on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.